I am excited to preach a message with you uh, this morning. And um, it's a new year, in case you didn't know. It's a new year, and obviously, for many of you, when it's a new year, uh, it's time to reflect on life and um, maybe set some new goals, uh, dream some new dreams. You know, just think about how you can improve your life this year. Anybody do? Is anybody into that kind of stuff? Maybe reflecting, thinking about the new year. Some of you are. Josiah, that's surprising. Um, and um, many times people set these new resolutions, and they can be anything from a, a physical goal, fitness goal, academic goals. Um, I talked to a student this morning who said, yeah, I really want to improve my academics this year. It's a great thing. Um, financial goals. These are the typical goals that, that we set when it's a new year. Forget what's behind and let's press ahead. Um, but there's a higher goal, uh, the highest of all goals. And I think some of you in here have that goal in your heart. And that would be to encounter the Holy Spirit this year in a way that's greater than you've ever before. 2022, to be the year that you have encountered the presence of Jesus in a way that is beyond anything you've ever experienced. Does anybody here want that this year? I do. I, I want more. I want to experience him in a fresh new way, and a new year is the perfect time for it. So I'm going to preach on that today. Uh, we're going to look at that. I want to pray with you, and then we'll jump in. You guys ready? You awake? If you start falling asleep, I'll just yell or something. Wake you up. That okay, let's pray. Let's invite the presence of God. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, let's pray. And invite Him. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for this moment in time. And Lord, as I come to speak, I pray as the Apostle prayed when he went to Corinth, he said that his preaching was not in persuasive words of wisdom. It was in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power so that their faith would not rest in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. And what we want today is an encounter with you. I don't want to just hear my ideas. I don't want simply rhetoric. I don't want a good emotional speech to pump people up. We want the Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. So we pray for prophetic ears to hear. We pray for prophetic hearts to be soiled that will receive. And we pray for a prophetic voice that you would anoint me to share what you would have me to share, and nothing more, and nothing less. So God, we give you this time, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today, we're going to kick off the new year by looking at a really amazing passage, and that is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. I'm going to put that passage up on the screen for you, and, um, and we're going to dig into really verses 18, 19, and 20 first. And then we'll, we'll, we'll move beyond that. But let's, let's look at that together. The, the disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to Jesus, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. 
But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. I'm going to stop there just a moment. Let's talk about kind of the background of the passage. I want to bring you up to speed because there's this passage is loaded with a huge amount of history and story. And if you don't know the background that led up to this, you're not going to understand why this conversation happened because it seems so peculiar. But after John the Baptist had identified Jesus as the Son of God, remember he publicly proclaimed at the Jordan, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist said that, and then he baptized our Lord in the Jordan. You're with me? So that, that's, that was John the Baptist's experience. Shortly thereafter, John the Baptist was put in prison. Why was he in prison? Well, he was put in prison because he was calling out the sin of Herod. Herod was the puppet king that the Romans had established over Israel. And Herod was a, was a very wicked man. And John the Baptist was a, a prophet. And prophets and wicked men kind of have a really interesting relationship. Um, one of them doesn't like the other. And so John the Baptist would call him out, you know, especially on this one thing. He said, you are living and committing adultery with your sister-in-law. You need to renounce that and repent. Well, most people don't like to be rebuked, and especially kings that really think there's something special. That was him. So um, Herod said, you know what, i got to shut this guy up. So they, they, they went and they put John the Baptist in prison. And John the Baptist is in prison, and while he was in prison, his disciples would go back and forth and report to John what was happening, right? So they would run out and they'd be like, Jesus just healed this blind man and all these things are happening. And they'd come back to prison and they would report to John because obviously John wanted to know what was going on. And back then there was no internet, there was nothing, no TV, no radio. He sat in that little prison cell not knowing what was happening. So the disciples of John the Baptist would go back and forth and tell Jesus what was happening. And um, these reports must have been troubling for John the Baptist at times, because you see, this man lived a very aesthetic lifestyle. He was a prophet of the wilderness, so he would deny himself choice foods. He would fast from food and water. He would not drink alcohol. He would not wear fine clothing. He wore a camel's skin, is what the Bible says. If I'm remembering that correctly, I believe that's what it was, wasn't it? Was it a camel? Yeah. Doesn't sound very comfortable. I mean, man. But that was him. And, and so this was John the Baptist. That was his life, you guys. Well, then he was hearing reports from his disciples. And they were saying this. Jesus is hanging out in the house with sinners. And they're partying. They're like eating fattened calves and they're drinking and they're having this great time. You know what I mean? And here you are in, in prison. And that was confusing to John. John didn't understand. Well, why would he be doing this? And so he had asked questions about this. Um, eventually, the doubts became so severe that John the Baptist, the very man who baptized our Lord in the Jordan, sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the one? Are you really the, the, the chosen one? The man who proclaimed it. 
I never considered this, but John the Baptist may be the first one that, outside of angelic hosts, that human proclaimed that the, the Lamb of God pointing to the sacrificial offering that Christ would be. I'm not sure if that is the case, but it would be great to dig into that, wouldn't it? But, but that man was having some doubts here. Um, trying to desperately understand what is going on. Um, but before that, so that, that's another story that we're not going to dig into. But here, let's go back to our passage. Here, we, we go back to um, this fasting question. And so now you can kind of understand why John's disciples are so um, confused. And so they come to, to Jesus. And again, let's, let's just look at the passage again. How is it that the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus says, the guest of the bridegroom mourn, uh, the, the guest of the bridegroom cannot mourn when he is with them. What does he mean there? This is very interesting, isn't it? Talking about the bridegroom and mourning. Well, you just have to understand that in the Jewish nation, fasting was associated with mourning, sadness, suffering, or choosing to like, do what John did, to be a monk, right? And to go out radically and deny oneself of all the pleasures of life. That's why you fasted. And what Jesus is saying is, um, listen, when the, the, the wedding celebration is not a time to fast. The wedding celebration is a time to celebrate the covenant, to play some music, to pull out the table on the dance floor. I heard about Noah's dad. And get on the table, and you're dancing, and you're rejoicing, right? Anybody like to, any of you guys are the dancers at weddings? That like to get on the dance I mean, I know Pastor Chris is for sure. Nobody here wants to dance at weddings? Oh, there we go, all right, one person. What are you guys all like me? I don't like that stuff, but a lot of people do. But I rejoice with you when you're out there, it's fun. That's what a wedding is for. So remember, Christ is saying, Look at it again. As long as they have the bridegroom, that's a strange word, that just translated that as groom, okay? He's referring to himself there as the groom. As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom, the groom, will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So again, what Jesus is telling John the Baptist's disciples is, while I'm here, I am the groom. He is the groom. Who is the bride? The church. Right? He's prophetically speaking of what they would not even be able to comprehend at the time. But I am the groom, but I will be taken away shortly. And when I'm taken away, then you'll fast. Pointing to his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the Father. At that point in time, then you'll fast. And now we fast. Right? Um, but, but at that time, that wasn't the time. So like the preacher in Ecclesiastes, Jesus was just telling John the Baptist... Uh, there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. And this is not the season for my disciples to fast, but it's coming. Following this discussion, so now you've got the whole background of John the Baptist and prison and everything. We get to the meat of what I feel like God wants me to share. Because as I prayed, I was at the sanctuary um, of the Ann Arbor Assembly of God Church. And I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to say? I've preached 30 New Year's messages. You know what I mean? I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, you know. And... It's kind of hard to come up with something fresh for a New Year's message after 30 years. So I had a great idea. Why don't I pray? And then the Lord put this passage on my heart. And it, at first I thought, I, I don't, I mean, it has the word new, but I don't know how it applies to, to the students and to our staff and alumni, but I think it does. And so 
the rest of this passage is really what I want to communicate with you regarding 2022, what I think perhaps could be a prophetic word for us. Let's read verse 22 together. One of the most famous parables of the Lord, this is what he says here. No one puts new wine into old wine skins, or else the new wine bursts the wine skins and the wine is spilled, and the wine skins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wine skins. This is a very strange parable, and it's using a very strange word that I've never heard anybody use in the modern world, wineskin. And so this is going to make it very difficult for you to understand what in the heck is a wineskin. So I have a picture of what I think wineskins probably look like. If we could put this up, and you probably are going to be surprised. Um, now, with the light there, can you see that still? I know it's kind of bright on the screen. I wonder if I can turn that down. You can. It's the farthest one. Which one can I turn down these lights here? The farthest one toward the wall. Let me see. There. Is that any clearer? Oh, oh, oh. That's the farthest the wall. That's, this is farthest. Oh, okay. So turn to that all the way up and all the way down. There you go. How's that? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, um, when I hear the word wineskin, I always interpreted this as like those little like leather pouches you get at like a uh, tourist trap in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. You know, just put it on your shoulder, it's a wineskin! Pretend I was like a Native American when I was a kid. That wasn't the wineskin at all. So a wineskin was skin of an animal, usually a goat, perhaps a sheep. And so they would, they would use the skin of the animal and they would do a process on it and then they would sew it together with seams and that's what they would uh, use to contain different beverages. Well, now, wine can expand and contract through fermentation. And so what, what Jesus is, when he talks about this parable, everybody would understand it. You guys may not because we don't do this. They understood it exactly. If you have an old wine skin, let's say that that was very old, it would become brittle, hard, and it would not be able to expand and contract. So if you put in brand new fresh wine in that, and it begins to have a little fermentation through the preservation process, it expands, there's no room for that skin to expand, guess what happens? The seams are gonna bust, and all that wine will go right onto the dirt and into the ground, and they lose it. And this is why Jesus is saying, if you want to have new wine, you have to put it in a new, supple wineskin. Supple, fresh animal skin that can expand and contract. No problem, and it can contain that wine. Got it. But why in the heck is he talking about this? What does this have to do with anything? Especially in the context of everything we just talked about. Well, let's, let's look, look at this. Jesus is saying something very important to John the Baptist and to you and to me. He was saying, if you look at me, if you look at my teaching through the lens of prior expectations, you're going to miss it. They were looking at him and trying to understand him through these old ways of looking, through this old covenant. And he said, I'm bringing a new covenant, a new teaching. And if you can't adjust yourself, if you can't, in a sense, become a new wine skin, you're going to miss it. It's going to split and run all over the ground, and you'll miss this. 
I'm here. I'm here to change the world. This is new. Your old expectations, that old wineskin has to be tossed aside, and you have to become a fresh, supple, new wineskin. You with me? This is what he's saying. So what does the wine represent? Uh, well, as I just said, I believe that wine represents certainly the teaching of Christ, the new covenant, the, way, the new way of doing things. But there's something else that's very interesting about what this wine could potentially represent. And uh, it's just crazy because when you look in the scriptures, Old and New Testament, grapes and wine are very often associated with the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting. I mean, it makes sense because wine is such a huge part of their culture and grapes and vineyards. But think about this. How about Galatians chapter 5? We don't need to go there, but some of you know that. Galatians 5 talks about a whole list of the lust of the flesh and then these godly behaviors that we want. And what does the Apostle Paul call those? The fruit of the Spirit. Grapes. Directly referring to grapevines and grapes. They are the fruit of the Spirit. So the work of the Holy Spirit in you produces like spiritual grapes, so to speak. Fruit that is goodness and love and peace and patience and kindness. That is fruit that comes from the wine of the Holy Spirit. Well, how about John 15? I mean, this is one of our H2O uh, annual passages that we teach at all the time. Our Lord Jesus Christ clearly says in John 15 what? He is the great vine. You are a great branch. The Father is the gardener. And those that abide, those branches that abide in the vine, in the grapevine, they produce what? Fruit, grapes, goodness, kindness, love, patience, peace. Because that, that, that life that is in the vine flows into you as a branch and you bear fruit. Again, fruit, Holy Spirit, work of God. But there's a really crazy passage that maybe crazy is not the right description. It's just, it's an amazing comparison between earthly wine and heavenly wine. And that's what I want to dig into today, and I think it's prophetic for you. And that is in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to actually look at that. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. What a crazy passage. Let's look at this. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the local church at Ephesus, and he says this. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Overconsumption of earthly wine that comes from the literal grapevine, from literal grapes, if overconsumed, will lead to drunkenness and, as he says, debauchery. Paul instructs us, obviously, avoid that behavior. We all get that. But what we don't want to miss is what he does say. So don't, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the heavenly wine. This, the Bible is so amazing. You know, so many people at this camp, so many students think, your friends, if you're talking about Christianity, they think it's all just a, it's a list of rules. Don't do that. Don't have sex before marriage. Don't get drunk. 
you know, blah, 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 real boring. It's not just a list of don'ts. It's a higher list of do's. He's not saying just don't get drunk. He's saying get filled with the Holy Spirit. And that drunkenness, that heavenly intoxication, is beyond anything you could ever imagine. I experienced it firsthand. And, um, I'll share this story with you from my own life that I, I think illustrates Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 18, very well. I had come to Jesus as a young man, went to Western Michigan for two years trying to come out of a life of drunkenness, as well as many other things I did. I got accepted to U of M as a transfer. Woo, yes. I was amazed. That, that's the Lord. And I, I came here with my two of my best friends, one of them who had been converted to Christ as well. He had saw what the Lord was doing in me. He had a praying Christian father. He has radically converted as well. We come to U of M. I, we got an apartment, we had Spice Tree Apartments. That was something. And, uh, and I had old friends from Portage Northern that were here that had come here as freshmen. And they heard, of course, hey, Nino and Chris and Dwight are coming. So they knew we were coming. And so my first week, and, and I came to U of M with my intention being, I'm going to break from my past. I don't want to do the things I, I have done. I want to live a new life. I want to get plugged into the church. I want to have good Christian friends. It's like I, I, I don't. Want, I know that world. I live in the world. I know the darkness. I don't want it anymore. So I came here with the right intention, with the desire for that. But my buddies from high school were here, and they weren't Christian yet. And of course, when they found out I was here, they called me immediately. Nino, what's up? Hey, let's go on campus tonight. We're gonna to go to some parties. Uh, okay. So. I think John picked, did I drive? I can't even remember if I drove to campus. Um, plot twist, I didn't drive home, and you'll find out why it is. So I went to campus with, with uh, John and Doug, who I knew from high school. They're like, hey, this is the best corner shop. We can buy beer here at Rage, blah, blah, blah. So we get the beer. We go to fraternity. I don't even know what frat it was on campus. And, and that we start doing what I've done a million times. You know what I mean? It wasn't anything new. It wasn't exciting. I already lived that life. It's like when you've been eating puke your whole life, it's not really that appealing anymore, you know what I mean? Satan can try to make you guys think it's appealing, it's puke, trust me. I lived it for many, many years. I've been down that road, but I just got caught up in the moment with my buddies. I didn't know anybody. Okay, they're my good friends, you know? Play basketball with John, let's hang out. So we go and we start drinking and we get drunk. And I fell asleep at a fraternity. I slept on a couch on stinky old nasty beers and stone couch in my clothes, oh, gross, woke up, and again, been down this road a hundred times, and like, this is stupid, what am I doing? I go back home that day, and my friend Chris is there, and he's like, what were you doing last night? So I hung out with John and Doug, and he knew them because we were all friends, and Chris just gave such an awesome rebuke. He said, hey, what are you doing? I thought we were gonna like serve Jesus here. We're gonna get involved in the church, right? We're gonna do things different. I said, you're totally right, that was so stupid. Let, let's let's change, and uh, that was the last frat party I went to. So uh, at least to get drunk, I went to the fraternity after that, and Jason came to Christ. But that was a little different. I was a missionary. You follow me? That's a little different reason for going. Go to, fraternity, go to fraternities, please do. But be as a missionary for Jesus. Amen. That would be awesome. Man, I mean, come as the old man. Uh, so, but I didn't go to a fraternity again to get drunk, and my 
my roommate, my best friend, found a, a book table said called Chi Alpha and said, hey, let's check out this campus ministry and the rest of the story is history. I went to the meeting, encountered the Holy Spirit in my first meeting during worship and ran around telling everybody, the Holy Spirit is here. Spirit's here. And they're like, who's the new guy? Like, he's here. I'm like, you don't understand. I was just in a place with a bunch of demons. Uh, this is nice, man. This feels better than demons. So um, they're like, all right. So, um, so, right. Do not be drunk with wine. I experienced that. It was beer, but you get the point. It doesn't matter what the alcoholic beverage is. I lived in that passage in verse 18. But then they invited me to what's called the fall retreat. Many of you here are going to salt next weekend, right? That's like a glorified fall retreat times 10, okay? Fall retreat is awesome. This is going to be like a whole exponential level. So I went to fall retreat, and the speaker talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit, that heavenly wine. And I was like, wow, this is what I need. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been filled with a lot of spirits, and they weren't holy. So let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. So I went to the altar, and later today we're going to have an altar call to pray. And I'm believing God wants to do something new. Many of you have experienced the Holy Spirit throughout your life, right? Precious, awesome times. It's new. It's a new day. Something new. Something special. So I had experienced the Holy Spirit, but I wanted something new. So I came to the altar, and they had an altar call. I didn't know what it meant. There was no altar, but they called it an altar, so I went out. Um, and I knelt down, and people were praying for each other, and all these young college students were praying. It was glorious. It was powerful. I had such an experience with the Holy Spirit. Um, physical things were happening in my body as the Holy Spirit touched me. That doesn't always happen. That's not what has to happen. But just letting you know, when the Holy Spirit came on me, it was just unbelievable. And I laid on the ground just in, like, love, feeling love. And I... Um, I might have even spoken tongues that night. I can't remember even when I first spoke in tongues. I don't know if anybody's like that with me. I do now, and I love it. I just, I think I was spoken tongues that night. If I didn't, I had a crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit, laying on the ground, people praying for me. I got up, and again, so I was experiencing be filled. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled, and I got up. I remember walking around hugging everybody. I love you. I love. I just felt the love, you know. Jesus loves you. I love you. And I, I didn't really do that before high school. My friends didn't really hug each other. You know what I mean? Uh, that was weird. Um, so, and I just, I remember I just felt this overwhelming love, and I was like hungry. I, I was joking. Like, I had munchies. I had the Holy Spirit munchies. And I, mean, like, and I started eating a bunch of popcorn. But it was, it was like good munchies, you know, because I had the wrong kind of munchies most of my life, right? So this was uh, an encounter of the Holy Spirit filled with love, and it just illustrated to me what Paul is saying there. It's not just the list of don't do this, but there's so much more. Like your friends on campus, all these students, they're missing out on what they're really doing. It's all a cheap substance. It's just an imitation. Getting drunk, getting high, all these things. It's going to wear off. You're going to need to do it again, you know? But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying, that, that will be unlike anything you've ever experienced. And as I said, as we're starting a new year, I believe God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit in you in a new way. I don't know what that will be like. 
I don't know, you don't know what it will be, but it will be glorious. It will be amazing. And um, in order for this to happen, to receive this new wine, you have to become a new wine skin. So I want to close before we go into the altar call. How do you become a new wineskin? In other words, how do you become a man or a woman? Um, how do you become a man or a woman? This is like old school uh, saying that the genders were separating inside of the church. Mix. You might actually like somebody to do that. So. So really what I'm saying is, because it sounds really weird to do think you got to become a, a new wineskin, that's strange, but how do you become that new person that will receive a new work? Does that make sense? Like, if you want something new, you have to do something you've never done before. Right? That might sound like I just contradicted myself because I said you need to become a new person. You need to become a new wineskin if you want the heavenly new wine. But let me just get a little philosophical for just a moment. Yes, you have to become that new person to receive a new move from God. But to become a new person means you have to do something new that you've never done before. For example, let's say you're a person that struggles financially and you're tired of it, right? You're like, I live check to check. I don't have any money. I want to be this woman that has enough and is generous and can give her missions and can buy things she wants and just to live in a place of prosperity and peace, right? You want to be that. Well, to become that woman, you don't just think it into existence. You have to act. How do you, so if you came to me and said, I want to be this woman, I would say, well, stop overspending. Figure out how to make more money. Give more dimensions, right? You have to do something. And then you become that person. Let's say, well, 2022 is the year I want to get fit. I'm going to get fit. You know, that's what everybody... Everybody does that in January, right? It's like, oh man, crunch planet fitness of Pat in January. Nobody's there in February. I'm going to get fit. You know, I'm going to do this. If you want to be fit, you have to change what you're doing. You have to start doing new things, right? It doesn't just happen. You don't just think it. Now, again, I'm being philosophical. Yes, in your mind, you have to see yourself being that person first. But once you see it, you have to act upon it, right? So this morning, if you want a new touch from God, a new encounter, you have to see it in faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to kneel down at my seat. I'm going to raise my hands. I want to come to the altar. You have to see it, but then you have to act to do something new. And again, I know this might sound basic, but I just wanted to get a little philosophical, and I hope it's helping you. If you want something new, you got to do something new. If you want to become somebody that you're not, you have to... You have to do something new. And that puts you in the position to be that new person. So what are you going to do new in 2022? I'm going to have the worship band come forward. So what, what are you going to do this year? What are you going to do new? Are you going to maybe make a decision to read through the scriptures for the first time? Uh, I know some people in H2O are doing the through the Bible in a year plan. Maybe you're going to uh, start praying every night before bed. You know, what is the goal? What do you want? If you want to become that new person, if you want to encounter the Holy Spirit in a fresh way, do something new. Maybe you're going to go share Jesus with your friends a little more. Maybe you want to be a little more bold. Tired of being too, like, 
scaredy cat about Jesus. You want to be bold, right? But you got to step out, man. Step up. Say something. Speak. Do something new. So I want to challenge you to think about this year. What are the new goals you want to set? Physical spine, financial spine, but the highest to encounter the Holy Spirit. And how about we start right now? Why don't we start this morning? Why don't we let today be a day that you try something new for the first time? Maybe um, we're going to go into time of worship. Maybe you've never raised your hands up to the Father and just stop worrying about what other people think around you and just close your eyes and worship Him. Something new. Maybe you want to come to the altar for the first time and just stand here and say, pray for me, pray with me. Maybe you want to kneel down for the first time. I mean, just something new. Maybe you want to verbally speak your praise to God. Maybe in worship, you know, it's a little weird to speak out loud. You're like, oh, I can't sing good. Um, just say, no, no one's, no one's listening anyway. I mean, the Lord is, and he loves your voice, even though it might not be good. Because uh, he loves mine. It's not good. Um, but maybe you want to sing to this morning. Does that make sense? Today, something new. Don't miss this opportunity. Something new right now God wants to do. Holy Spirit's ready. He's ready to do something new in, in all of us. And this is the time. So can we stand together? As the uh, band leads us, I don't have any ending time. I don't even know it's early. So... Um, if you need to be dismissed, you're totally free to be dismissed. I'm not going to do an official dismissal. Uh, we're just going to pray. And uh, I encourage you to do something new this morning. Come, the altar's open. Come to the front. You want to pray. You want to stay in your seat. Well, let's, let's encounter that Holy Spirit mind in heaven. Amen. Amen. Lord, we welcome your presence. We thank you that you have sent new wine. And we thank you that the new wine is...